Hola, When in Spain listeners, it's another Wednesday, so a warm welcome to episode number 15. It's Paul Burge here, talking to you from right here in the centre of Madrid. Um, if it's your first time here, hello, welcome. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back and thank you for continuing to support When in Spain podcast show. So some names for you, Miguel de Cervantes, Federico García Lorca, Juan Ramón Jiménez, Rafael Alberti. These names ring any bells with you when in Spain, listeners? Yep, you're absolutely right. They're all Spanish writers and poets, and some of the most famous ones too. So that's a little clue to this week's podcast show. Yes, you guessed right, Spanish literature and books. I guess the title of the podcast probably gave that away anyway. But Spain's literature for me always seems to be in the shadow of literature from, say, France or Russia or the UK. And speaking to a lot of my friends who are big literature buffs, far more than me, all seem to say the same, that really there are only a very few big names. Now, whether that's true or not is open to debate. But one thing I discovered through some research I was doing is that uh, actually Spanish publishers have a big problem finding people to translate Spanish fiction into English. So this could be uh, one of the reasons, maybe. Also, since the 2008 financial crisis, um, book sales in Spain uh, are reported by Publishers Federation to have slumped 36%, um, and that's a reduction of something like 87 million euros. However, uh, they do say during the last couple of years, they are seeing signs of recovery. So these could be some of the factors as to why uh, Spanish literature isn't as prominent on the world literary map as maybe some other countries. To find out a bit more about this, I stopped by a beautiful and cosy little bookshop in the heart of Madrid called Desperate Literature and enlisted the expert knowledge of the bookshop's owner, Terry Craven. Uh, during our interview, Terry also rounded up a few of the lesser-known Spanish titles uh, that really helped to get under the skin of Spain and help us to understand uh, a bit more about Spanish society. We also chatted about how he came to open a bookshop in the middle of Madrid and we also chatted about Spain's literary festivals and also looked ahead to some of Desperate Literature's upcoming events and its very own literary prize. But before we get into the interview, a little advert. Has anyone ever heard of the When in Spain Facebook group? No? Well, head over to Facebook and search When in Spain and you'll find it. In fact, you could do that right now while you're listening, right? On Facebook, find the When in Spain page and you will see a big blue visit group button and that will take you to the group page where if you like what you see, you can join. So if you'd like to socialize with other When in Spain listeners, you can head over to the When in Spain group. You'll be very welcome and you can share any thoughts and ideas and suggestions, photos, articles, anything you like right there on the group page. And now just a quick note from one of our sponsors. 
No, just kidding. It's only me. So if you'd like to start seeing photos of the various places and people I talk to in each podcast episode, then why not follow When in Spain on Instagram? Yep, you can surf your phone while you're listening to the podcast, yeah? How about a bit of multitasking? So head over to Instagram if you have the application, and I'd love it if you came and said hi. The handle on Instagram is WhenInSpain1, and as I said, uh, from now on, I'll be posting lots of lovely photos for each podcast show. Anyway, here's the interview with Terry Craven from Desperate Literature. Uh, if you want to see photos of the shop... You know what to do. Instagram and follow When in Spain 1. Here's the interview. Hello. How you doing? Let me know if you need any help with anything. Okay. Um, English on this side. Do you know the bookshop already? No, no, it's the first time. I'm... English this side, Spanish, okay. French, kids books there. And if you need anything, okay. give me a shout. Okay. Cool. Okay. Terry, thanks for joining the Winning Spain podcast. Hello. It's Wednesday morning. We're here in your bookshop, Desperate Literature. Can you just describe the place to us? It's a lovely, cosy bookshop, packed to the rafters with books, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're about got about 25 metres uh, squared of books, of a bookshop. It's quite small, a bit of hole-in-the-wall uh, vibe. Um, when we got it, um, previously, the bookstore has a has a... A living space behind which we've now converted into a into an office but uh-huh. when we first got here we lived in the back and so did the person who ran the bookstore before us and uh, we have converted kind of all of it kind of renovating all of it bit by bit to install a kids section in this little hallway that we've got in the back and uh-huh. uh, and kind of renovate the whole thing bit by bit uh, yeah so it's a kind of very handmade uh, bookstore. Uh, in fact, one of the things when people ask me about making, uh, like being a bookseller, they say, I want to be a bookseller. What, what do I need? I said, DIY skills is one of the things you need. Uh, uh, or money, I guess. Um, yeah. DIY skills, money, and probably quite a strong back for yeah, humping for boxes of books around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What brought you to Madrid? The bookshop brought you to, to Madrid. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I was working in a bookstore in Paris, Shakespeare and Company. I've been there for quite a while um, with my business partner Charlotte and we uh, well I decided she suggested that I contact my now business partner Craig about opening a bookstore because I'd I'd been working in Paris and I knew I wanted to have my own place Um, and so I contacted Craig and he was I said you know open a bookstore he said I I literally just did (laughs) did open one in Madrid you want to go check it out Uh, and I and you know then things worked out and we got here about eight months nine months after it opened and then we got involved Charlotte and I and so there's four of us myself Charlotte uh, who's from from Paris mm-hmm. uh, Craig uh, who uh, owns and runs Atlantis Books in Greece and Corey Eastwood who has a bunch of bookstores in New York and he actually has just opened a bookstore in Valencia now in Valencia yeah he's opening next week I think oh well okay so shout out to Corey in Valencia yeah. if anyone's in listening in Valencia yeah yeah yeah, the Embatis Fera it's called, and it's opening in La Cabañana, so it's yeah, uh, yeah just by the just by the beach. Oh, perfect! A beachside bookshop, amazing. What you want. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the books you stock. Obviously, your bookshop I can see here from where I'm sitting. You've got uh, a mix of English language literature, uh, Spanish, and French, and you also have a children's section at the back there, a cozy corner of children's books. As a bookshop, do you have a kind of ethos of the kind of books you really want to sell? there's not an easy way of saying it other than the books that we really like and the kind of books that uh, 
do the things or talk about the things or embody the things that we're interested in. Yeah. So, I mean, it, which it sounds very vague, but it is, <laughs> it's both very vague and difficult to pin down, but very specific because it's very specific to us yeah. as booksellers and people. And that works <clears throat> with your customers as well. So it's kind of an evolving process in which you bring... Uh, the, as a bookseller and a manager you bring the things that you love and care about so that when you talk about a book you can inspire someone to love that book you know we've got a very limited amount of space and the idea is that when you when you talk about something with passion whether it, whatever it is really you know you pass that on to someone and so a, a bookstore can be a space for people to meet through literature um, fall in love with literature with people meet make you know and and if that does through the passion of that is transmitted through the passion of loving something and so we try to just have books that collectively you know not necessarily I haven't read everything but here but one of us has and so mm -hmm. we to pass on things that we we believe in and that works reciprocally with customers they come in they say oh I read this that you gave me that's great have you read this and then no I haven't read it so I get it in and I read it and then and then that we continue to grow and change that way mm -hmm. and that's uh, that's for me what I want a bookstore to be and um, uh, and yeah that's what we're trying to do could we do a desperate literature guide to Spanish literature? Could you name sort of five pieces of Spanish literature that for you kind of kind of get under the skin of Spain, Spanish psyche, people, the culture? The obvious would be, you know, homage to Catalonia or something like that, George Orwell talking about the Spanish Civil War. The other thing I loved reading was Gerard Brennan's sure, South yeah. from Granada, yeah, yeah. Uh, looking at uh, village life in yeah, yeah. in in the Alpujarras yeah. back in what 1920s. Really interesting, pre-industrial Spain. Yeah, a sort of observations on rural life. Um, but what other recommendations would you personally give off the top of your head? Well, okay. So th this is an interesting question for, for a more general response that <laughs> is uh, sort of very politically just sort of dodging it a bit. I'm not. I won't dodge it. No, no. Which is that the, when we first got here, the relationship with Spanish literature was an interesting one because it's quite a hermetic. Um, in, in terms of European literature and the relationship to English literature, um, having lived in France, which French literature has got a much more uh, sort of symbiotic relationship with uh, with English literature and the history of English literature, Spanish literature is something that, um, aside from like the big boom from Latin America, uh, there's not. Um, Spanish Spanish literature hasn't translated that much. Um, so there's a whole um, work that we did and still to be done, uh, continuing, of getting to know Spanish literature in its own history and its own, um, you know, its own roots. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a bit of an interesting one because when we first arrived, uh, our knowledge of Spanish literature was nowhere near as strong, obviously, as our knowledge of French literature, so we had to get to learn it. Um, yeah, well, and there's another English book, um, which is Good Ghosts of Spain by Charles Tremlett, which is a very good basic introduction. Um, that is a very good book, actually, yeah. Uh, you know what? Um, we just had an event with this woman, Gabriela Viner, who uh, is a Peruvian journalist, and she's written this. She's written a bunch of books, but this one book uh, is called uh, Sex Sexografías or Sexographies in, in English, mm -hmm. uh, which is out with a, a, an American publishing house in English, um, and it's a really amazing book of uh, journalism into non-normative. This sounds like I'm going off path, but I'll get back to it. Okay. <laughs> uh, Non-normative forms of 
sexuality and intimacy and what it really links to is a kind of uh, different way of her living her life through her own body and relationship to the world around her mm. but it really links to her relationship <laughs> with she now lives in she was living in Barcelona and now lives in Madrid to, to this kind of underground world that exists in Spain uh, of like different ways of living your intimate life she also talks about giving uh, donating eggs to uh, uh to a center in Barcelona and the relationship between Latin American um, sort of immigrants and uh, and Spain and mm. sort of giving eggs and post-colonial rela um, relationships uh, which is really really interesting and is very illuminating on the relationship between uh, Spain and its ex-colonies and um, but also like to just to do with uh, Spain and racism and Spain and sexuality and mm. which is a really really amazing book we also got another book um by this guy ruben bermudez and he uh, just wrote a book it's just been published in in bilingually mm -hmm. saying uh, which is uh y tú por qué eres negro um when you why why are you why black, black? <laughs> uh, which is about him growing up as um as an afrodescendiente here in spain uh -huh. and uh and yeah it's a really beautiful sort of photo journalistic book of and, and diary really of him growing up here and uh, it's really great it's a really good book and um, just come out bilingually from free books um p-h-r-e-e -E. and uh, we're going to be getting that in because it's just come out in the next week and that's um, a bit of a sort of uh, off the beaten track uh, of like I think it's a very important book um, in terms of the relationship between um, Spain and Spain's literature um, uh -huh. I mean, then, yeah, then there are things like more classical things like La Colmena, which is a, uh, a book um, by Jose Cela, who was a, a Nobel Prize winner here in Spain and is about post-Civil Civil War Madrid and it has lots of vignettes about Madrid and, uh, and like, life here. Um, so that's kind of a classic of, of you know, Spanish, uh, of Spanish literature. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about the Andalusian... Uh, talking about Gerald Brennan or pre-industrial Spain, mm. we just, we had a really great like chat and event with this um, this woman um, Cristina Sanchez Andrade who is a Spanish writer who's translated a bit into English but her book The Winterlings deals with this which is um, which in Galicia Galician village and uh, pre-industrial life and that kind of phasing in of industrial life into mm -hmm. uh, into like village life which comes with its own mythologies and own histories and mm -hmm. smells and it's really but like part of the body and like the living in a village and uh, and then sort of has industrialism uh, the industrial era and, and technological era begins to infiltrate into village life so um, it's, that's called the winterlings las inviernas and that's a that's a really cool novel uh, again not something that most people would kind of link uh, with like the classics of spanish no. literature but it's a contemporary book and it's very good another book we've got which is just come out i'm just going to find it yeah it's called Joidos Turistas. Talking about Barcelona by any chance? Yeah, it's a lot to do with Barcelona. It's by Antipersona, this publishing house. And it's a very nuanced like uh, look at tourism. and tourism. How so we're it translates as fucking tourists. Yeah, and yeah. how we're all kind of like, in a way, tourists and uh, what we bring. But it's a very nuanced look at, at, at tourism and the problems of tourism and the problems of uh, gentrification and and you know what actually is going on here and is happening in madrid as well and um mm -hmm. so it's not mm -hmm. it's not in english actually yet but it's um, um so that's a very kind of interesting book about our relationship as anglophones uh to to uh 
to this country. Um, yeah. uh, obviously, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that we're editing a book uh, about um, experimental literature from and about Madrid, and that'll be out in uh-huh. November, early December, okay. um, with this amazing publishing house, Dostoevsky Wannabe, from Manchester. Uh-huh. And what, what's, it, what's, it, what's it called? It's just called Dostoevsky Wannabe Cities, mm-hmm. Madrid. <laughs> okay. uh, uh, so it's like an anthology from here, and that contains, yeah, Gabriella Viner, who I mentioned earlier, she's in there, um, about 20 authors from uh, who have either lived here and left or living here or travel through here and have written about Madrid or the relationship between Madrid and its colonies. We've got people writing about the city and illness. Uh, we've got some uh, got someone writing about Quinciemi, you know, the Plaza del Sol. We've got um, we've got people writing about the relationship between of blackface here in, in, in Spain, which is a crazy thing that still happens. Uh, and so this is... Uh, uh, an American woman who lives here who's hosted a lot of debates about it and uh, she, she's writing about that and her relationship to that as a, as a teacher and someone who hosts the space uh, and there's a huge cultural gap there there's, there's, a, there's a discussion happening which is you know, important and interesting mm-hmm. um, then but also like lots of cool literary stuff there's these guys who are computer programmers they're like Ulipo experimental writers but using computer coding to make that weird poetry great great fun weird poetry uh and then uh yeah loads of loads of stuff and that that's going to be out in a non-sale here uh, so that's i think a really good snapshot of literature going on in madrid right now um yeah. that was four i only did four well, don't worry that's all right. four unless you well, I just try to offer things that are not like yeah, really, not the usual, not the really run-of-the-mill kind of things that yeah, people exactly. have already heard of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, okay, you got, you got four. Bookstores aren't necessarily only selling books. They are, like you said, uh, well, I think they sort of should be a kind of social hub as well. You run lots of events as well. Um, can you tell us a bit about the kind of events you run here? One of the things that I <laughs> learned by working at Shakespeare and Company is that I think it's really important to to like live locally in this local space that we have and to know everyone in the space around us, writers here in Madrid, but to kind of think like globally in that sense and think that we're part of a, definitely a European, but now that we've got uh, this amazing bookseller editor working with us, um, Paloma from Peru, you know, uh, we're connected to a, a literary scene that's global and that you can think that way and that you don't need to it's good to mix the two things mm-hmm. and to think okay let's have some local authors promote this local space that people live here in Madrid and they write here in Madrid through Madrid we're actually editing a book together Paloma and I um, of kind of experimental peripheral literatures mm-hmm. from Madrid in Spanish and English um, to that end um, but also to think that you know we can contact any author we like in the world and be like hey if you're coming through Madrid, come say hello yes, yes. and uh, the world's connected in a way that uh, this often works you know there you go, Alina. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're just uh, pricing up and unpacking yeah. uh, more books. Um, tomorrow you have an event, in fact. Yeah, we do. This is actually a good example. <clears throat> tomorrow, we, as we've got to know people here in Madrid, um, uh, there's a, a guy called Pablo Mazo, and he, and he, he does a lot of stuff. He was an editor. He's an editor here. He used to work for Malpaso, a Spanish editor mm-hmm. uh, here. And he also is a coordinator for this program called the Cella program, or Cella program, and um, depending where you're from. And he that is an emerge. It's a program for emerging EU writers. And so they're going to the Segovia Festival this weekend. And I managed to um, because we've done some work with one of the 
women who was involved in it who's a writer but she also does a bit of organizing for it called uh, Livia and she's amazing Italian British poet living in London and she um, so they're going to the festival and I managed to nab them for one night to come and do an event here tomorrow so there's five uh, writers a Romanian a Portuguese writer Spanish writer an Italian writer and then Livia who's a British Italian writer mm. to come and just sort of share their work um, a lot of it bilingually, um, yeah, so they're going to come along. And then Friday we've got another event with a British um, non-fiction writer and uh, an American poet, Joanna Klink, who's amazing. Yeah. And you also run a literary prize, is yeah, that right? Yeah, I do run a literary prize, yeah. This, the next literary prize will be going out in December 15th for all you writers. And, uh, but we, so we started it last year. It was our, our employee, Rob, who, Rob Greer, he's also a writer. He, at the time, he just suggested, let's do a literary prize. And then exactly what I was saying about sort of being local but thinking kind of globally, I, I, he was, we thought about doing it kind of small and then I kind of got carried away and just <laughs> got, uh, just sort of went crazy and got got all these everyone I could possibly contact to try and help yeah. us make this thing amazing uh, we did contact and um, I used to run the Shakespeare and Co Literary Prize um, well it's called the Paris Literary Prize which Shakespeare and Co was involved in when I was there and I just realised that one of the best things the Literary Prize can do is to help authors um, spread internationally and give them support not, not only in terms of financially but in terms of helping them write and spreading what they've already written um, so we got involved with lots of um, uh, literary magazines 3am which which is an experimental uh, online journal from the UK. Um, uh, a woman's thing, which is a w- women-only, not just literary magazine, but based in the in, in the US. And um, Structo, Ma- Structo magazine from that's published out of Amsterdam, which also does uh, li- um, it's kind of experimental stuff, to, to publish those guys. And then uh, this amazing, amazing literary residency um, in, in, in Umbria in Italy, oh, wow. the Chiwetel Foundation, the... That was yeah. So they so they get a week in this Italian castle, uh, and then we got funded by this really great foundation called the the De Groot Foundation that that sort of funds uh, literary uh, events around literary well like projects around the world. And I know them from Paris, and they gave us um, they very kindly supported to donate the prize money, and we had 450 entries from all over the world this year, and that was our first year. Uh, wow. Yeah, and it's a short <laughs> fiction for under two thousand words mm-hmm. um, of kind of experimental. Um, well, it wasn't originally experimental, but I think just the things that we're interested in is slightly sort of um, uh, new or emerging fiction, and not necessarily not necessarily uh, you know just quality fiction, but um, we definitely have a bit of a leaning towards things that's a bit more experimental formally. Yeah. Or uh, so the winner was this kind of weird, uh, <laughs> this, this weird story by this super sweet not in not in any way weird guy called Ed Cottrell who wrote this uh, story of like sim about sim symbiotic relationship with with parasites which sounds weird but is really be- parasites. yeah <laughs> but he's very beautiful writer and makes yeah. it it's very intimate weird story and uh, as soon as we read it we were like wow this is this is off the wall this is great um, and then two the two runners are both wonderful as well um, Caitlin and Gordon yeah so yeah, the literary prize went really well, and um, Ed's going to Chibatella this October, mm. and hope this the next time round we've got a few more uh, different uh, sponsorships and relationships building, keeping the old ones growing some more, and hopefully it'll just get bigger and bigger. Uh, and how how do people go about entering? 
Right, uh, so when we yet. launch it, um, this year we'll be using a different, slightly different method, but everything's on our website, basically. Um, okay. We'll be publishing it. It'll be, we'll basically be spreading the word everywhere. <laughs> uh, so uh, the prize, they send 20 euros entry uh, for the first story and then 10 euros for every other story. Um, and, yeah, it's up to 2,000 words. It's judged anonymously, so, you know, uh, a bunch of people I... I, I I, I didn't know they'd entered, and then I actually knew them quite well at the end. And oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's good. To, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm judging my friends, but I don't necessarily know that I'm judging them. <laughs> so anyone can enter. Yeah, and that's great. So you know, famous. We've got some slightly well-known writers and then mm. beginners, and it was a total mix as well in the shortlist. So that's great. The other thing I noticed you do is uh, it's just uh, quite a nice way of finding different ways to market and sell books. But you have a a subscription. A subscription, yeah. that's it. Yeah, you have a subscription service. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, this was something we started about a year ago. And, um, you know, a lot of bookstores do do a subscription service. And first of all, we just thought things that would be kind of fit the market of where we live, um, you know, Spain, so learning English, learning Spanish. Mm. But then uh, things I like reading. So the, the first one that I did that I really like reading is dysto- dystopian fiction. Um, so I made a list of kind of not mainstream dystopian fiction that I've read and liked and uh, and then put a list together so people can subscribe for four to six months um, or 12 months and, and get a book every month um, with a description of why we picked that book and uh, Alina who is shelving books in the background I keep handing books to her she <laughs> is balancing balancing precariously at the top of the, uh, a step ladder there <laughs> yeah, um, is uh, is here and a sort of um, in um, entrepreneur exchange through the EU uh, Erasmus Plus uh, scheme mm. and we're working together to promote new, some new subscriptions that we've got because Alina is going to be opening uh, a business in Romania sending out kids books in subscription so if any of your Romanian uh, listeners <laughs> um, yeah so it's something that we're kind of growing and promoting uh, this I mean at first it was uh, it was something that was kind of just a little ad idea just to throw out there and now we're going to be growing it a bit more in the coming months yeah so we've got we're gonna the coming months what's gonna be we've got one for kids with some very beautiful kids books for three to six year olds. We've got ones for people learning English, um, so f- sort of intermediate level English, and uh, and then we've got people for learning Spanish. So for all the uh, s- mainly for anglophones, but you know anyone coming across here learning Spanish, kind of beginners Spanish books, um, uh, sort of best of uh, basic Spanish okay. books, yeah. Okay. That'll be launching. Really good idea. And that's launching... Well. That's launching, uh, hopefully, in the next three weeks, yeah. yeah that's so you're busy, busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're also working on a literary festival for May 2019. Mm-hmm. So on Friday, we've got this reading with the Unamuna author series, which is run by a poet. This is great coincidence, and this is really nice when these things happen. You know, um, this is a, uh, Spencer Reese is, a, is an Episcopal priest. But, and a poet who lives here in Madrid and has been living here for about five years and he's a great, really good poet but he's connected to the poetry scene in the States and he knows everyone in the States and um, he's just got this energy that he just like brings people to him and uh, so I met him here and uh, he was running his events somewhere else and I said listen you've got to run your events here we can team up really well and now we've hosted about 30-40 poets from the US uh, and that's great. That started off in the church's courtyard with this poet, Richard Blanco, who at the time was kind of a bit despairing about the fact that you know, not many people were reading poetry or his poetry. And then two years later, or a year, I think a year later, he was reading for uh, Barack Obama in the White House when he Seriously? got inaugurated for the second time. So it was wow. really nice. Like That was a bit of a great transition. And so now in 2019, we've had so many poets come 
that we're going to um, do a festival in, in, in May and we'll go back. We're actually going to be launching a crowdfunding campaign starting in October 15th, late, mid to late October. Okay, Alina, I have no more philosophy, so this is just non-fiction. Joy. Um, and... Um, yeah, so that's a festival that we're going to be doing with over 50 poets from the States and we, we just have really great, there are a lot of them, are a lot of poets are teachers, really tied up with the poetry scene and we're just a really good, he just brings us poets and we receive them and it's always great. So um, yeah, we're really lucky in that way to like yeah. have a, again, I kinda, it, it's a bit of a weird one because we're building a very local scene with this Unamuna author series, but people mainly coming from the States or the UK and uh, so they're not based here you know they don't live here but somehow they're connected through their visits here uh -huh. they all live in across the states and some of them know each other some of them don't busy 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 uh, rest of the year coming up when you first decided to to take the plunge and open desperate literature here in madrid yeah. did your family and friends say were they like are you crazy in the sort of advent of digital media is it difficult terrain these days selling books people say this to me they say things like oh it's very brave you know the, the phrase is you're either very brave or very stupid right and I and I never thought of myself as brave so I guess I must be stupid uh, 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 do you know what I don't know I don't know I, working at Shakespeare and Company made me realise that bookstores can work and they can they can survive and f they can flourish um, and that you can choose how you do that you know there's definitely a link to um, and there's various elements, commercial elements and like romantic, idealistic elements that go together. You know, we're creating a, a, a space where people can connect and come to, and that's a great con concrete thing that is never like a little bit idealistic. And that's a, and it's like a, a dream to have a space that you can come to and live through literature. But there's also a commercial aspects. You know, um, uh, books, although you know books are sold online massively obviously online mm -hmm. you know um, and in e-format and that's great you know they're very useful I, I don't want to fight uh, technological change I think it's important but we remain physical beings right so we yeah. a physical book is still important yeah. and that may change when the apocalypse happens but <laughs> uh, you know because I was reading I think I don't know, last year that in the UK uh, physical book sales were actually up in the face of sure of I, yeah. tablets and, and Kindles and ebooks and all the rest of it. I don't think that really surprises me. You know, there was the first wave where it all came in and everyone was super excited. And you know, it does obviously have its uses. There's lots of reasons why you would want to read an ebook for for lots of people, uh, and for lots of reasons. Um, so I get it. But then I think you know the thing just balanced itself out. And mm. also, we've also seen a huge rise in independent publishing. Independent. Mm. There's loads of independent book festivals here in Madrid, there's one coming up in October, Ostia un libro in the Cebada, uh, Plaza um, de Cebada, and that's um, that's a, an independent like Zion and will hopefully be there, um, festival, and that, there's loads of them in Madrid, there's poet, uh, Poetas, and there's, um, there's one at Casa Encendida, and that's, uh, there's loads of them, and, uh, and that's a re I think because people want that relationship with people, individual people, uh, in, in independence, uh, micro stuff, stuff that's not like run by corporate overlords, you know. Uh, and <laughs> right. uh, 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 so, yeah, I think there's always a place for it. And I, I don't feel it, it's not. Listen, I'm not. We're not making loads of money. We're not. You know, we're we're, we're growing slowly. And uh, you've got to have faith in the thing that you do. And I and I. 
So I feel good being here. Um, it, you've got to learn to adapt and to change and to, sure. to, to like use Instagram for the best you can get from it <laughs> at the same time as making sure people love being here in the bookstore. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think if you adapt and change the old style of bookstore, maybe he's like with a grumpy person who sits behind a desk. I can be grumpy, definitely. A grumpy bookseller lurking in the back. Yeah, Yeah. I can be a grumpy bookseller, definitely, (laughs) but I try not to be. Um, Yeah. You know, I think that's obviously, it's obviously dying away. It's also to do with like, you know, the book world being dominated by kind of 60-year-old white dudes it's like I am a 30 year old <laughs> white dude but you, you, we try to grow and change Terry thanks very much for, for joining me yeah cool thank you thank you so that was Terry Craven from Desperate Literature if you'd like to find out more about the bookshop head over to desperateliterature.com And you'll find all of the information on there about uh, their events, uh, their literary prize, the subscriptions uh, that uh, we talked about in the interview. And if you're listening to this uh, from Madrid, or indeed if you're passing through Madrid at any point, you can find the Desperate Literature International Bookshop on Calle Campomanes, number 13. Uh, Nearest metro stop is Opera, just up the road from Madrid's Opera House, right in the centre of the city. And they are open every day from 10.30 a.m. So let's just have a quick look ahead uh, as to what's coming up in the next few weeks on the When in Spain podcast show. Uh, The Ben and Marina podcast will be happening in a couple of weeks. We have confirmed a date for the interview, uh, which is the week after next. So I imagine uh, the podcast episode with Ben and Marina from Notes in Spanish and Notes from Spain podcast will be happening in about three Wednesdays time. Really looking forward to that. Also coming up, I will be examining and sampling one of Spain's uh, most ubiquitous tipples called vermouth or vermouth, fortified red wine that you find everywhere in Spain. And I don't know why, I really like it and I'm very intrigued by this drink. Do you certainly see lots of people supping vermouth? And to help me discover the history behind vermouth, I will hopefully be accompanied by Luke Derricott, who runs a fantastic podcast called The Spanish Wine Experience. We'll talk more about that nearer the time. So that's what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, Just before I go, can I ask a favour? Could you tell your friends or your family or your dog about when in Spain? Just tell them that there's a guy who bangs on all the time about Spain and Spanish life, blah, 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 blah. And just tell them, you know, it's quite entertaining. It's quite relaxing to listen to when you're on your daily commute or when you're lying in bed at night trying to doze off. Um, Because, you know, as they say in Spain, cuanto más mejor, or the more the merrier. So certainly the more listeners, the merrier. Thank you very much. Get in touch with any questions or doubts or suggestions as always. Don't be shy. I will respond to your emails. Just fire me off a message by email at wheninspain1 at outlook.com. And I think with that, I'm going to wind it up for now. Wherever you're listening from, have a great week and talk again next Wednesday. Adios. Adios.